Why don't you grab your Bible and turn with me to Matthew chapter 17, everybody, Matthew 17. And most of you know we're in a, a, a period of time that we have every year. Uh, we have 21 days of prayer and fasting. That's how we start our year. Uh, hopefully that's going well for you. I want to encourage you if you just now like, oh my gosh, I didn't know we were doing this. No harm, no foul. We still have 14 days left. You can join us for 14 days of prayer and fasting. And if you forget today, you can join us again tomorrow for 13 days of prayer and fasting. And you see the formula that's developing here, right? But we want you to join in. We have a, 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 develop, a, a guide that's available at mypathway.church. It's very helpful. It gives you some scripture verses and some reflection and prayer and also gives you a way to connect this with your kids, with your family, especially small kids, an activity, a family moment. So I want to encourage you to take advantage of that. And also, if you're part of my social media, you know this, but on my social media, every morning, um, I'm sharing a little bit about along the same lines as our prayer focus, but it's my content or my thoughts and not necessarily what's printed. And you can follow along. All those videos are on my social media if you, if you care about that, okay? But the main thing is I want us all just focused on God and prayer and fasting. And, and during this 21 days, I didn't have a particular series that I wanted to do, but there were some things I felt God speaking. And so today is one of those things. So we're in Matthew chapter 17. Most of you know what's happening in Matthew 17, but if you don't, um, Matthew 17, one of the big things is this, um, the Mount of Transfigurations, Matthew 17. That's where Jesus takes um, kind of his inner circle, Peter, James, and John, up on the Mount of Transfiguration where he is transfigured and they see him in his glory and Moses appears and Elijah appears, right? And there's always, because Peter's involved, there's some comedic relief, right? Because like all this is happening. If you could just be on this mountain and Jesus turns like white and he's glowing and all of a sudden Moses and Elijah show up up. I mean, this is a holy moment, right? Most people would think this is such a holy moment. I should not talk. But Peter was like me, everybody. I'm like Peter. And in the midst of a holy moment, Peter's like, this moment needs my commentary. How many, how many have ever lived with somebody that they thought every moment needed their commentary, right? This is how my family feels. Like, bless his heart. He, he just thinks the world needs his commentary. And so Peter says, Lord, and I always, because Peter's a fisherman, uh, most of you know this, I put him in East Texan, you know, kind of accent in. But he said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. <laughs> Captain Obvious, everybody. Captain Obvious. Anyways, God tells him, here's my son. Listen to him. In other words, Peter, don't talk. Be quiet. So all this is going on. So this is an incredible mountaintop. And then they come to the base of the mountain, and there's a father with a very, very sick and oppressed son that they can't help. And uh, how many know sometimes that's the way life is, right? Isn't that the way the devil is? Like you go from the mountaintop, and as soon as you, I mean, you're, you're not even off, off the high of the mountaintop, and the devil just seems to throw something in your path. How many know Sunday is great, but Monday's coming, everybody? How many know, like, we're worshiping God, God's presence. Praise the Lord, God, you're so wonderful, you're so good, and then Monday morning we're going to get the the memo. Got to get those TPS reports in, everybody, something like that. And it's just going to knock us uh, off, our, off our high. But how many know God's still faithful? We used to sing an old song in church, the God on the mountain is still God in the valley. Come on, somebody. And so Matthew chapter 17, verse 14, it says, And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him kneeling down and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. 
And Jesus answered, oh, faithless and perverse generation. How many know Jesus was not woke? This is not correct speech, right? This is, I mean, this is, this is not... <laughs> This is not comforting speech here. You know, aren't we supposed to like, this is not snowflake talk, everybody. This is, uh, this is oh, faithless and perverse generation. I mean, they're, like, they're already distressed, and then Jesus just, just uses some very direct language. He said, how long will I be with you? How long will I bear with you? Bring him to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. That very hour. I want to talk to you. I, I've, I've preached on this text and, and because I preached on this text, sometimes, honestly, I was trying to steer away from this text. In fact, I wanted to really preach from Luke 18, and there was another text that, that I considered as well. But the Holy Spirit kept bringing me back to this text, and, and I, there's a principle here. And I thought, well, I know what the text means, and I preached the text. But the way I'm going to preach it today, I've never preached it before in my life. And this is the wonderful thing about just the power of God's Word and the Holy Spirit, is you never read the Bible like you know like you already know what it says. But when we open the Bible, it is so deep. It's like an ocean. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you, you can skim across the top. You can snorkel. You can skin dive. You can scuba dive. Or you can get in a submarine and go down there where the monsters are, everybody. It is so deep. And so we never want to read the Bible like we've read the Bible. We always want to open it up and say, God, today, how are you going to speak through this word? What do you want to say? And, and so I was really excited. And so I, I want to talk just a minute about shattering the ceiling of prayer. Shattering the ceiling of prayer. Can we pray together? Holy Spirit, we have gathered in this place to hear you, to see you, to know you, to encounter you. God, that's what our heart is. So Lord, speak clearly to us. Don't let us miss this moment with you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Shattering the ceiling of prayer. Have you ever felt like my prayer is just not getting out of the room? My prayer is just not getting above the ceiling. Like I'm praying and I've maybe I've walked with Jesus a good amount of time, maybe several years, maybe many years. And, and I know how to pray and I know the word of God and I've got my worship music on and I've read my scripture and now I'm praying and it is just dry. And my prayers don't seem to be getting above the ceiling. I prayed and nothing seems to be moving and nothing seems to be working. If you've ever felt like that, welcome to the club. I want you to know if you've ever felt like that, that, my friend, is normal. You know, I found this, this is a sidebar, not what I want to preach, but I want to be honest with you. I think sometimes God pulls back the warm fuzzies to make us go deep. Because you can't live from warm fuzzy to warm fuzzy. You can't build your life on a feeling, right? I know, come on, Blue Suede, we're hooked on a feeling, high on believing. Come on, somebody, but that's not how you build your life, right? Not how you build your life. You, you, can't, you can't build your life. And I think sometimes, I don't, I think sometimes God, who sometimes I feel like is the reigning hide-and-seek champion, because he can hide and you can't find him, but you can't hide from him. He'll find you every time. Right? So he is, sometimes I feel like he kind of moves back and pulls back the warm fuzzies to say, now come on, press in. Look, you got to get a little more mature. You can't live by feeling. You've got to live by the Word of God. You can't live by feeling. You've got to walk by faith and not by sight. And faith is not always a feeling. Sometimes you can feel your faith, but faith is not a feeling. Amen. Are you with me? That is good preaching. I feel like I might have helped somebody today. So having said that, if you ever felt like my prayers aren't 
they're just not working, then you're normal. In fact, here's a situation where the disciples are in that same boat, if you will. Because what we know is, so here, Jesus, they've been on Mount Transfiguration. As we said, they've come down. There was a man who brought his son. The son was struggling with seizures and convulsions um, that, that he felt like that were indeed life-threatening. And the disciples prayed and nothing happened. Now, what you need to know is if, and most of you know the Word of God, Matthew 10 tells us that Jesus had given the disciples authority to heal and to deliver. So you can look at this passage. This boy needed healing, but Jesus rebukes the demon, so he also needed deliverance. Are, are you with me? Now, you may be sitting here thinking, I don't believe in demons. Okay, well, Jesus did, and they're in your Bible. Y'all work that out. Okay, but I don't have time to get into that today, right? I don't believe there's a demon behind every bush. I think there's four, okay? And so um, <laughs> that's an old Southern Fried Preacher quote, everybody. I'm just trying to help everybody. And so they had had, here's my point, they had had success with delivering people who needed deliverance, and they'd had success with healing. We don't see a lot of that in the Scripture, but we need to know not every miracle that Jesus did nor every miracle the disciples did is in the Scripture. In fact, John tells us, he said, I, I believe that if everything that Jesus did was included in the Bible, the worlds could not contain the volumes. So there was a lot more that Jesus did that we don't have. What we have is enough to know and believe and understand. Does that make sense? Um, but John said, you couldn't read the Bible through in a year if we put everything in there. That's what he basically said, you know. So, so having said this, they had had success with delivering people who were under demonic oppression, and they had had success with healing people, but yet here they pray and nothing happens. So if you've ever been in that boat, so were they. So let's talk about what Jesus said and what happened, because Jesus ultimately, remember, unwoke Jesus ultimately said, said, there's two problems. I don't know if you caught it, but looking back, he, Jesus said, he answered them, oh, faithless and perverse generation. He said, you have two problems, faithless and perverse. Now, those sound like harsh words. Think about this. He's talking to the disciples. Like, don't let it offend you. Imagine how they would have felt. If you're Peter and you gave up your business to follow Jesus, Right? Or if you're Andrew and you gave up your business to follow Jesus and, and Jesus, you've been up there on the mountain having a good time with Peter, James, and John. But I've been down here in the trenches and prayer's not working. Right? And you would expect Jesus to say, well, okay, I understand. Let me just talk to you what Jesus says. No faithless and perverse generation. Well, Jesus, you're just encouraging, aren't you? You're just helping me out. Praise the Lord. I feel very encouraged by this message. But I want to look at what those two words mean and put them in a context that I think will make sense and be helpful to you. Number one, he said, faithless, faithless. Well, what, where does that come from? What, what happened there? Well, let me put it to you this way. I, I think this is what he's saying. I think this is accurate. Where does faith come from? Faith comes from my connection to God. Now, I'm going to come back to that. So what was Jesus saying? He said, the first problem is this. You're, you've gotten disconnected from God. See, according to Romans 10, verse 17, it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay? So, so faith comes by connection to the voice of God. 
by hearing the voice of God, by being close to God. Because typically to hear someone's voice, you got to be pretty close to them. Does this make sense? And so where does faith come from? Faith comes from being connected to God. So when he's looking at them and he's saying, hey, you know what? You know what? You've gotten disconnected from God. Now, I, I'm, a, I'm a pastor, and, and I've worked in church ministry for over 20 years, and we have a pastoral staff. So I kind of use my holy imagination because sometimes the things that get us connected from God, the things that creep in, the things that take our, our, our attention or move us a different way, they're not always bad things. In fact, I wonder if this, I wonder if the disciples had gotten so busy doing ministry that they left behind God somewhere. They were so busy doing good because if the devil can't get you to do bad, he'll just get you to do good, right? If he can't distract you with sin, he'll distract you with something that's good. And I just wonder if they'd gotten so busy in the healing ministry and in the delivering ministry and in traveling around, I wonder if they'd gotten so busy doing good that they got disconnected from God. And this is what Jesus says. He says, hey, this is the problem. The problem is you've gotten disconnected from God. And then he goes on. He said, and there's another problem. He said, faithless and perverse. You've gotten disconnected from God. What does the word perverse mean? Well, the, the, one of the root words of that Greek word, if, that's, if you can follow that, the original New Testament, written in Greek, right? So the, that, that word in the original language of Greek would mean to turn toward. Well, if you turn toward something, you turn away from something else. Here's what he was saying. You've gotten disconnected from God, but you've turned toward the world. You've gotten too connected to the world. Why, why didn't it work, Jesus? Well, it could be. You know what I was thinking? I was using my imagination. I thought about this. I wonder if they'd gotten so successful doing good that they kind of took pride in that and they got really focused on their social media and getting new followers. Like, yes, I am one of this. I am Andrew. I am Bartholomew, everybody. I'm Matthew. Yes, it's me, everybody. This is me and I'm following the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And I wonder if, if in getting, all of a sudden they noticed that their meals got comped at certain restaurants, right? And all of a sudden they had, they had their own little group of followers. And I wonder if they got disconnected from God from doing all the good, but because they had done good, they got too caught up in the praise and adoration. And maybe even Peter was thinking, you know, I could use a new lake house. Now, I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm just saying I know what it's like to be human and do ministry. Does that make sense? But the point remains Jesus identifies there are two problems. The reason that you're praying and it's not getting out of the room is because you've gotten, you're disconnected from God, but you've gotten too connected to the world. See, the more connected to the world I become, the more disconnected from God I become. In fact, I'll read you a scripture, 1 John 2, 15. It says, do, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Here's what he said. The more in love with the world I get, the less in love with God I become. In fact, Jesus said you can't serve two masters. Paul said this to Timothy. I just like this verse. Um, it's a sad verse, really, but I just like it because of a sermon I'd like to preach. And, and the verse is this, 2 Timothy 4, 10. It says, for, for Demas... 
in love with this present world has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Now, now the travesty here, the sad thing, is that this is the only mention we have of Demas in the Bible. What we do know is he had, begin, he had begun to serve with Paul. He was in ministry with Paul. And you think about the success of ministry Paul had and those who were in ministry like John, Mark, and Barnabas. We know those guys. They did ministry with the Apostle Paul. And Demas could have been someone we read about more in the book of Acts at the powerful and wonderful works of God that he did. Who knows? There could have been a book that Demas even authored that would have been canonized in Scripture. We don't know. Because all we know is although he had been involved in ministry and Pursuing God, he fell in love with the world, deserted the ministry, deserted Paul, and went to Thessalonica to party. And this is the sermon I want to preach. Don't be a demass. Don't, don't do it. Are you with me? Because the more in love with the world I get, the less enamored with God I become. I wrote down three questions. I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me these three questions. But if I'm wondering the things that I'm connected to in my life, there's three questions you could ask. It's a priority question, a purpose question, a power question. Let me give them to you. You can write them down and go home and think about them this week. The priority question is this. What is consuming my time? What's getting the bulk of my time? You could also look in your checkbook register and say, what's getting the bulk of my finances? It's a priority question. The purpose question is, what am I living for? Right? What am I running after, if you will? What am I pursuing? What am I trying to gain? And then the power question is this. What is controlling my life? Another way is what's controlling my schedule? Like what's controlling my thoughts? What's controlling the decisions that I make? What's influencing, manipulating, or impacting the way that I live? To me, those three questions help me understand how connected I am to what? Like, what's first in my life? Now, here's the thing. By the way, I know your church people, and I know you know the, 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 what the right answer is supposed to be, right? Because when we say, well, what's supposed to be first in your life? Well, seek first kingdom. Kingdom's first. I'm not asking you to give me the right answer. I'm asking you to give me the real answer. Because the right answer is helpful, but the real answer is life-changing, Right? And so you could ask yourself those three, those three questions because here's what Jesus said. Here's the problem. You've gotten disconnected from God, too connected to the world. So what is the solution? How do we fix the problem? Well, Jesus continues, and we'll continue reading there in Matthew 17, verse 19. And then the disciples came to Jesus privately. When prayer doesn't work, I've found this is a great formula. Go to Jesus. The disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said, Because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say, now here's where Jesus defines what he wants their life to look like, i.e., what he wants your life to look like. This is, this is the kind of fruit that he wants your life to bear. Look what he says. He says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, be moved from here to there, and, 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 and it will be moved, and nothing will be impossible for you. That's the life that Jesus called you to, to see the power of God in and through your life and in and through because of your prayer. But he said, however, verse 21, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So what's the problem? I'm disconnected from God. I'm connected to the world. What's the solution? Prayer and fasting. Here are the two points. Point number one, prayer connects us to God. Prayer connects us to God. Prayer increases my connection to God. In fact, that is actually the aim of prayer. 
I, I think sometimes, and I think Satan's really good about this. I don't know if y'all have struggled with this, but you probably have because I'm human, you're human. We seem to struggle with similar things. Have you ever felt like, well, I don't know how to pray? Well, I don't know the right prayer to pray. I'm not sure I know the right words to pray. Is it okay to pray about this? Is it okay to ask about that? Uh, in one of our devotions, um, in our 21 days of prayer, one of our focuses is on the prayer of petition. And, and the reality is God knows what we need. The Bible says he knows what we need before we ask, but God wants us to ask. And one of the things that I shared on that was that, you know what, the heart of the father is not just seen in meeting the needs of his children, right? If you think about biblical times and biblical days, you could use the analogy of a slave owner would meet the need of a slave because there's a lot of slave and slave owner verbiage in the Bible. In fact, it talks about how we're slaves to sin, slaves to things that we obey. The truth of the matter is the heart of the Father isn't seen in just supplying needs. The heart of the Father is seen in meeting desires. For instance, if I just made sure my kids had food and clothes, I guess that's good, but that doesn't really show the heart of the Father. Does that make sense? But when I buy them the things they want, the desires that they have, help them do the things they want to do, that's what really exemplifies the heart of the Father. So I want you to know, this is what I'm saying, sometimes we say, well, can I ask God for this? Well, sure you can. He knows how to say no, but don't say no for him. Are you with me? And so prayer connects us to God. So instead of getting stressed out about, I don't know, am I doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? Am I praying this right? Am I praying this wrong? Does this work? Does that work? Should I do this? Should I do that? Let me help you with what prayer is. It's just connecting to God. It's just spending time with him. It's hanging out with God, everybody. And, and that means you can do that through worshiping him. You can do that through reading his word. You can do that by sitting quietly and listening for his voice. You can do, this, do that by praying for someone. You can do that by praying for yourself. You can do that by asking him to move in your life. You can do that by asking him to move in our church. It's just hanging out with God. It's spending time with him. Think about this. When Jesus, when the disciples came to Jesus and they said, teach us to pray. I wonder if they too were like, I'm not sure we're getting this prayer thing right, Jesus. And so they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, start this way, our Father. In other words, all good prayer is built on relationship. The building block of prayer is relationship. So focus on your relationship with God. Think about this. That's what Jesus said. What is the problem that we've run into? Oh, oh, faithless. Well, what happened? Well, I got disconnected from God. I got disconnected from God. And my connection with God determines the level of faith I have in I have with God or have in God. Did you know that? The more connected to God I am, the more confident in God I become. The more I know God, the more I trust God. So many times, you know, the Christian life is walk by faith and not by sight. It's this, it's this life of trusting God, isn't it? Like learning to trust God, right? Tis, we used to sing the old hymn, tis so sweet, tis. That's how old, you know, the hymn is because they use tis. I doubt any of you use tis this week, right? I doubt any of you got up this morning and says, tis time to go to church, but tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. 
just to take him at his word, just to stand upon his promise, just to say, thus says the Lord. Well, where do you get that kind of confidence to trust him and stand on his promise? You have to know him. The more you know him, the more you trust him. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, Let's just say I met a stranger. Maybe some of you in the room, you don't know me very well. Let's say you had a car for sale and I came by today and I said, you know, I want to buy this car. I'm I'm going to buy this car from you, but the bank is closed tomorrow because it's a holiday. So can I just go ahead and take the car and I'll bring you a check first thing Tuesday morning. Now, if you're a stranger to me, what would you say? No, that seems dumb. Why would I let you take this car? I don't know you. But there are many people in our church, there are friends that I have, family members that I have, that if, I, if they had the car for sale and I said, hey, I'd like to go ahead and take the car today, I'll, I'll bring you a check next week. You know what they'd say? Okay, go ahead. You know why? Because they know me. They know if I say it, I'm going to do it. And they know if I owe it, I'm going to pay it. And because they know me, because of a relationship, they will trust me when someone else wouldn't trust me. I'm telling you, the level of your trust in God is directly correlated with the depth of your knowledge of God. The level of your trust, that's so good, I'm going to say it twice, a little bit louder for the people in the back. Come on, somebody. (laughs) The level of your trust in God is correlated directly to the depth of your knowledge of God. And that's why Jesus said, you've lost confidence in prayer. Maybe you lost confidence in God. Here's the solution. You got to go back and connect with God. You got to go back and get connected with God. Now, I want to tell you this, and this is a true thing, so let me give you a little warning here, but this is how human, human nature works a little bit differently because we have an enemy of our soul and that enemy surely doesn't want us to pray. And when we see our prayers hitting the ceiling or we don't see our prayers getting answered, human nature is to say, well, this doesn't work. Satan will come and say, see, it's not really working. Can I help you with something? Anytime the devil tells you to stop praying, it's because he thinks it's working. Sometimes I wish we had as much faith in prayer as he does. Oh, he's preaching now. You better watch out. I came for you today. Isn't it the truth? So many times, this is what I've found in my life. When the enemy says it's, oh, he's the father of lies. Come on, somebody, John chapter 8. He is the father of lies. You know how the devil, you know how to know when the devil's lying? If his mouth is moving, he is lying. And so whatever he is telling you, you're going to fail. You're not going to succeed. This is going to happen. This bad thing's going to happen. Whatever it is, if he's telling you it's because he's scared something else is going to happen. And when he starts telling you stop praying, it's not working, it's usually because he's already seen the crack of the breakthrough and he knows, oh my God, if they keep praying, this thing's going to happen. I doubt Satan would ever say, oh, my God. But you know what I'm saying. In fact, I think that was the problem, wasn't it, everybody? That was the problem. Some of the theologians like Satan would never say, oh, my God. I know he would say, oh, my me. And that's why he got kicked out. (laughs) Number two, number two, prayer connections to God. Number two, 
Fasting disconnects us from the world. This is why we do it. Remember what Jesus said, you've gotten disconnected from God. That's part of the problem. The other problem is you've gotten too connected to the world. You've gotten too connected to the world. Fasting, just like prayer, increases my connection with God and decreases my dependency on me. Fasting connects me, disconnects me from God and decreases my, I'm sorry, fasting disconnects from the world and decreases my dependence on the world. Right? You see that? And so Jesus said, you got two problems. Problem is, not connect to God, too connect to the world. We've got to do something. Let me tell you something about you that might be helpful. You're a triune being. So, so we believe in a triune God, head, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You're a triune being, and those parts are body, soul, and spirit. We see that in Genesis when Adam was created. The Bible said God formed Adam of the dust of the ground. That was his body, breathed into him a breath of life. That was spirit, and he became a living soul or a living being. Some versions say that's your soul. So you're a triune being, your body, soul, and spirit, right? Your body's pretty clear, right? Your spirit is the part that is regenerated at salvation. It's the part that's first raised from the dead on the inside of you, right? That's where resurrection happens in your life. Your spirit is raised from the dead. Your soul then is your mind and your will and your emotions. Now, God created you in three parts, and you need all three parts. God created your body to connect to creation, to relate to creation. He created your soul because usually that's how we relate to one another, through our mind, our will, our emotions. It's how we connect. Also, that's sometimes how we stay connected with ourselves is through our body and our soul, right? But we need a spirit because the spirit is how we connect with God. When Adam and Eve sinned, what died? Their spirit died and they lost connection with God. So then how did they live? They had to live through their connection to each other and the world through their body and their soul. Now, God created your body and your soul, but he created them to be subject to your spirit. So we're not supposed to live by our souls. We're not supposed to live by our bodies. In other words, we're not supposed to live by our connection to the world. We're not even supposed to live by our connection with ourselves, or people or mind or will or emotions. We're supposed to be live what? Live by the spirit. So we're supposed to live by our connection to God, meaning we're supposed to be more connected to God than we are creation and others, our soul, ourselves. We're supposed to be more connected to God. But what happens many times, because we live in this world, because there are a lot of temptations in this world, some good, some bad, just stuff, and because every day we're living in this world, sometimes we become too much of a soulish person too much of a body person. In other words, we live by our cravings. You didn't know how many cravings you had till you decided to fast. Where are my people at? I did not realize what a stronghold sugar was in my life till I decided not to have some for a day or two. I thought I was going to eat the paint off the wall, everybody. It was horrible. Are you with me? And, and so here's, because we know that, here's where Jesus says, well, we got to disconnect from the world, meaning, meaning I've got to discipline or, or to, to, in a way, I've got to get my spirit more in tune, more sensitive and stronger than just my body and my soul. These other connections have gotten in the way. And fasting deals with those other connections. Fasting deals with the soul. Fasting deals with the flesh or it deals with the body. As Paul said, now I used to, I used to read this verse wrong because 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says, uh, I buffeted my body or I buffet my body. 
uh, in the old King James. And growing up, I didn't know what buffet meant, but I knew what buffet meant. And they, same word, you know, really. And I thought, I buffet my body too, Paul. I buffet it at the Chinese buffet. I buffet it, you know, at the seafood buffet. I, I, every, I, and we were Pentecostal, so we buffeted a lot. And, um, and so, <laughs> but the word is buffet or discipline. In other words, here's what he's talking about, running your race, reaching your purpose, Living the life that God's called you to, that's the context. And Paul says this, I discipline my body. What he's saying is my body gets too strong. Its appetites get too strong. It'll get all connected to the world, and it will get me disconnected from God. And so there are times, and we know Paul also talked a lot about fasting, but there are times, Paul said, when I have to not punish but discipline my flesh, my soul, my body, and bring it into subjection to my spirit so that I can live the life that God called me to live. So fasting should be a normal part of any Christ follower's life because I don't know about you, but I've found one time a year is not enough for me to fast because I deal with this like you deal with this. I struggle a lot with sometimes getting a little too disconnected from God and a little bit too connected to the world. And so we need to understand, fasting, fasting is good. Um, I'll I show you this. Um, in Genesis, you remember God created Adam and Eve, and he said, let them be fruitful, right, and let them subdue and take dominion, right? You guys remember this? So God created Adam and Eve, and he said, hey, I've created you, now I want you to be fruitful and multiply, subdue, and take dominion o- over the world, essentially. And, and that word, take dominion, is to exercise authority or power over, um, in other words, just live the life God called you to live. It's a kingdom word, it means to rule or, or to take power over, but, it, but what he's saying is live the life, we can put it this way, live the life I created for, live the life I called you for, live the life I anointed you for. So here Adam and Eve, and they're subduing, they're taking dominion, they're trying to live the life that God called them for. And what got in the way? Satan came, and what did he come with? He came with some fruit, y'all, fruit salad. Because here's what Satan thought. They're so connected to God I've got to get them connected to the world. And anytime we pursue more so the world or our appetites in the world or the things we love about the world, anytime that pursuit gets greater than our pursuit from God, it costs us dominion. It costs us, like Paul said, the purpose we were created for, the destiny God has for us, the power we're supposed to walk in and live in as followers of Christ because it is supposed to be a life of power. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So we're supposed to have the power of God and the purpose of God being pursuing, pursuing the plan of God and the destiny God has on our life. And what Satan, no, you know what? If they're, if they're more connected to God, they're gonna do that. But if I can get them more connected to the world, If I can get them disconnected from God, and how do I do that? I get them more connected with the world. I want you to think about this. This is what John says, 1 John 3, 16. I'm sorry, 1 John 2, 16. says, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life doesn't come from the Father, but it comes from the world. And the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. You know what John just said? Look what he said. The world and its desires pass away but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Here's what he said. These things are going to be in conflict. 
the desires of the world are always going to contradict and be in conflict with the will of God in your life. And what he said is you need to understand this is what the world offers. It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. When you think about it, that's exactly what Satan offered Adam and Eve. He said, here's, here's fruit. And they said this. They saw that it was good for food, lust of the flesh, good to the eyes, lust of the eyes, and desirable to make one wise, the pride of life. So they offered him, he offered them everything that was in the world. Here's what he said, get connected to the world. You, here's what Satan says, you really want to live the life that you want to live? You really want to have fun? You get connected to the world. And here's what Jesus is saying, you get connected to the world, you're going to disconnect from God, and you're going to lose purpose, you're going to lose power, and you're going to lose the will and plan of God for your life. These things are always in battle. Um, if, you, if you think about it, if you think about our culture. I wrote this down. I thought it was good. Culture says indulge yourself. In other words, live how you feel. Well, that's the lust of the flesh. Feels good, do it. Right? Culture says, well, you live your life. Well, that's the lust of the eyes. Pursue what makes you happy. I want you to understand something right now. Well, I think God cares about every detail of your life. He never promised happiness to anyone. There is no promise of happiness in the Scripture. There's no promise of a happy life. There's promise of a blessed life. There's promise of joy. There's a promise of peace, but it's not always a promise of happiness. But the culture says, no, you go, you go after what makes you happy. Well, that's the lust, lust of the eyes. And then culture says this, you live your truth. In other words, be your own source. Well, that's prideful and arrogant. You can't be your own source. You don't know your own truth. You can't pick your own truth. And if you have your own truth, it's not even truth. It's just the lie you chose to call truth. And so here's what Satan's saying. Hey, get connected to the world. Here's what Jesus is saying. No, you got to get disconnected from the world, and you got to connect with me. Connect with me in prayer and disconnect. And this is why we fast. We fast to get disconnected from the world. We fast to increase our connection with God. Let me give you a couple things about fasting really quickly. There are different types of fasts in the Bible. Uh, 40-day fast. We see Moses did a 40-day fast in the Old Testament. Jesus did a 40-day fast in the New Testament. Uh, most people are familiar with the Daniel fast. It's very popular. A lot of times when we do 21 days of prayer, a lot of people assume we're doing a Daniel fast, which I think a Daniel fast is wonderful if that's what God calls you to. It's basically I just eat fruits and vegetables, that, that type of food. You don't, you cut back on the carbs and the sweets and all that kind of stuff. You just kind of eat fruits and vegetables. If you just really want to get crazy, eat raw fruits and vegetables, but you know, you can let the Holy Spirit lead you. Um, but categorically, there are four types of fast. There's a complete fast, which is liquid only. There's a partial fast. Some call it a Jewish fast. Uh, the way the Jewish calendar works is the day starts in the evening and continues to the next day. So when God, we, they get this from creation because he said it was evening and day on the first day. So God kind of started in the evening and went to the day. So a lot of times, that's, that, well, that is how the Jewish calendar works. So in other words, if you did what many people call a f- partial fast, meaning when a fast certain meals, what they say is that you, essentially you only eat while it's nighttime and you fast, you, you fast from sunup to sundown. In other words, maybe you eat dinner and some snacks afterwards or, or whatever the case may be. Then there's selective fast. That's where you just sit with God and you say, hey, God, you know, well, all this you sit with God, but selective fast maybe. I've decided to, to fast lunch this week, or I've decided to fast breakfast, or breakfast and lunch, or I've decided to fast sweets, or I've decided to fast coffee, or whatever the case may be. Um, if you fast coffee, you still have to act energetic and like you're in a good mood. 
because the Bible talks about religious people when they fasted, they made themselves look like they were fasting and the Lord said they have their reward. So do not lose your reward if you're fasting coffee. You still got to act excited about life, okay? Um, and then soul fast. Soul fast are where I fast um, other things uh, such as maybe some people fast ESPN or a lot of people fast social media for 21 days, uh, TikTok, whatever it is, you know. But that's where I give up something, maybe an activity or maybe something that is taking time or taking my attention or taking my focus that's not necessarily food. Um, some people give up TV, whatever the case may be. Um, but any of these, here's what I say. I want everyone to fast and pray because I want us all not only to connect with God but disconnect from the world. That's why we do this every year for 21 days at the beginning of the year. And if you just now are joining us, it's fine. You have 14 days. You do a 14-day fast. But ask God. Remember the basis of prayer is relationship. Go to God and ask God, God, what should I give up for the next 14 days? And then use that time. Like, you know, um, our phones kind of tell on us because they tell us how much time we've been on social media. So if you're like, well, I'm going to give up social media so I can spend more time with God, that's wonderful. Go to last week's social media usage on your phone, and where it says seven and a half hours, that means this week you need to pray seven and a half hours more than you prayed normally because you're, get, you're changing out social media time for prayer time. Come on, somebody. It's going to be a revival. It's going to be a revival. The point is, ask God, and then set that time apart and connect with God. I, I want to set your expectation because the truth of the matter is, while fasting, and, and I want to say this, fasting is not a hunger strike to manipulate God, right? Um, fasting is not where I get God's will to line up with my will. Fasting is where I kill my will and get it to line up with his will. Does that make sense? Fasting is where I get my heart in line with his, my will in line. So in other words, I'm not fasting to get God to move a certain way. There's nothing wrong with believing God. Please hear me. But, but the, the idea of fasting is to get real sensitive to the Holy Spirit and to get my heart in sync with his and, and therefore my will in line with his. So it's not a hunger strike. It's not punishment. It's not punishing my body or anything like that. No, it's discipline, but it's that discipline of disconnecting from things that sometimes get us distracted. When we do that, though, we can have expectation. Isaiah 58 talks about fasting. The whole, the whole chapter is about fasting. Uh, but it gives us some things we can anticipate when we fast because God is good and God desires to move and God does care and God is gracious. And I just want to show you this. Isaiah 58, 8, it says, Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. In other words, you could write this down. One thing I can expect when I fast is I can expect healing. God can heal my body. He can heal a marriage. He can heal a relationship. He can heal my mind, my anxiety, depression, whatever it may be. But I can expect God to show up. And when God shows up, he is the healer and he shows up to heal. And I can expect healing. It said, your healing shall spring up speedily. Then it says this, your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. In other words, I can expect healing, but it says, then I can expect to be righteous or righteousness or holiness. Holiness is a powerful thing. And holiness just means I'm set apart from and set apart to. Holiness means I've set apart myself from the world and I've set myself apart to God. And then it says, as I become holy, God's righteousness, he, he is going before me. 
And so I can expect healing. I can expect holiness. And then verse 9, then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, here I am. You can expect help, everybody. You can expect healing. You can expect holiness. And you can expect help. I, I want you to understand God is a God who answers prayer. God is a God who desires to move in your life and to make himself known. And I want you, when you think about Matthew 17, I want you to understand the disciples prayed and they didn't see an answer. But I want you to understand, it wasn't because God didn't want to answer. And it wasn't because God's will was not to heal or deliver the boy. Jesus said the problem was you've got a, you've got a connection problem. You're, you're a little too disconnected from God and a little too connected to the world because we know Jesus steps in and delivers the boy. So I don't want us to think, listen, when, when we feel like our prayer is not getting above the ceiling, we feel like we're praying and it's not being answered. I never want us to think what well, must not be God's will or God doesn't care or God refuses to answer. What I want it to do, unanswered prayer, prayer hitting the ceiling, drives us back to connecting with God and many times causes us to say, maybe I need to disconnect from the world a little bit. And if I live connected to God and I get disconnected from the world, I'm going to see dominion. I'm going to see power. I'm going to see God move. Amen? Come on. Can you give Jesus praise, everybody? All right. Will you stand with me? And I'm going to ask our prayer team to come and we end all of our worship experiences with a time of prayer for anyone who needs prayer for anything. It really is our privilege to pray with anyone who needs prayer. So prayer team, if you'll come. And then if you need prayer today at the end, after we pray in just a minute together, I want you to come and let us encourage you and pray with you and minister to you. So will you bow your heads with me right now? If you don't have to move, don't. If you do, I understand. Do it quietly. But if you don't have to move, Let's just take a moment because this to me is so important that we bow our heads and just simply, will you pray this with me? God, what are you saying to me? Would you take just a moment and pray that? Lord, I pray you'd speak to every person as we just pause and we say, God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me right now? Maybe it's something about the message. Maybe it's something else. But God, I believe you speak. What are you saying to me? And God, I pray you would speak to every person in this room watching online as we pause and ask that. I pray you'd speak. And then with our heads bowed, no one's looking around. I just want to take a moment. And I want to give everyone in this room, everyone watching online, an opportunity if you need a relationship with Jesus. I'm not asking if you have an association with a church. I'm asking if you need a relationship with Jesus. If in your heart, in your soul right now, you're like, you know, something's missing. You know, I've, I've been at church, I go to church, you know, but just something's missing. Maybe, maybe you know, you know, I need to be forgiven of some things. And I'm tired of condemnation and guilt. I just want to be forgiven. Maybe you're saying, you know what? I want to know God and connect with God. I want a relationship with God. If that's you, I want to pray with you. I don't want to embarrass you and never call you out, but I'd love to pray with you. And so no one's looking around. And online, you want you to participate too. But if that's you and you need a relationship with God with our heads bowed, no one's looking around. If that's you, I just want you right now just lift your hand up and say, that's me. Yeah, God bless you. Thank you. Yeah, God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Fantastic. 
And at home, you lift your hand too and say, God, here I am. I want a relationship with you. And now if you lift your hand, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. We're, but, but in this moment, what do we do? Well, the Bible says, when I believe in my heart and confess Jesus with my mouth, that I am born again. I become a new creation. And that's what I want to do. I want to pray with you. And, and it's important, yes, it's important you believe, and it's important that you confess. But the words are not always that important. It's the heart and just making confession. So I'm going to give you an example prayer, but if you lift your hand, you can pray with me or you can pray your own prayer. It doesn't. It's not, not the particular prayer or words. Remember, it's connection with God. So everyone, we're, we're going to pray together with our heads bowed. We'll just say, God, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe he died and rose again. I believe he did that for all of us and he did that for me. Lord, I ask you to forgive me of the things that I've done wrong. I ask you to make me a new creation. Lord, I want to follow you. I want a relationship with you that will change the rest of my life forever. In Jesus' name. And God, I pray for those that prayed that prayer, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to them. They would feel and sense and know you. And God, you would guide and lead them and help them to follow you. And God, for all of our church, Lord, as we are praying and fasting, God, we are expecting healing. We are expecting holiness and we are expecting your help. Thank you, God, for being so good and faithful. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Come on, somebody. Can you give Jesus praise today? God is so good. Listen, if you need prayer, we want you to come. If you prayed that prayer and you're like, I have a relationship with Jesus, we want to help you follow Jesus successfully. So please come and just tell one of these same people, hey, I prayed. What do I do next? And we'll help you with what you do next now that you prayed to receive Christ. Everyone else, we say a big God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you Monday at 6, hint, hint for prayer, or next weekend. God bless you. Hey, Pastor Marty here from Pathway Church. And I just want to say thank you for joining us. And I want to encourage you to get connected and stay connected. And there's several ways you can do that. Number one, you can download the Pathway app and we are all the time offering resources and information on that app for you. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you do, make sure you click the bell so that you never miss any life-giving and life-changing content as we add it to the channel. And then also, uh, make sure you follow us on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook. Look, our hope and heart for you is that you walk in the purpose for which God made and created and redeemed you for. We love to connect people to purpose. We thank you for giving us this opportunity. And if you're ever in Longview or you are in Longview, I'd love to invite you to join us in person each weekend. Listen, I pray God's best for your life. I believe if you follow Jesus, your best is ahead.